Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text is Matthew chapter 18. Here again, the part that reads, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this, in my name, welcomes me. You may be seated. Well, how many of you think that uh, raising children is costly? Uh-huh, the estimate now is about a quarter of a million dollars to raise a child at the age of 18. Well, how many of you think that, child, that children are needy? Okay, most of you. Okay, how many of you think that children cause messes? <laughs> oh, good, we're on a roll here. How many of you think that children are easily hurt? Yes. And how many of you think that it takes a lot of grace, mercy, and forgiveness to raise a child? Indeed. And that is exactly what our Lord Jesus thinks of each and every one of us here today. Children are essentially dependent. They can't do anything about it either. That's the way they are born, and that's the way the children of God are baptized. Jesus and his disciples have inquiring minds, and they want to know who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I wonder, or I even suspect, that the disciples probably thought that they knew the answer. And the answer would be Jesus, right? The parents bring little children to Jesus in after this chapter, and we find out what the disciples really think. The disciples rebuke the parents for bringing the children to Jesus. He's too big of a man. He's too much for little children. The same rebuke that, Jesus, that Peter does to Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus says he's going to be killed. Peter and his disciples thought they knew better. They thought they knew who was the greatest. But Jesus goes ahead and turns the tables on them. And every one of you teenagers who want to become adults and every one of us who are adults, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, unless you become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. For the greatest people in God's kingdom who are under God's rule are the needy ones. And we're to treat them as the greatest. Jesus gives us four instructions here about people who oversee those little ones, those who are childlike, those who are needy. Number one, in verses 6 to 10, don't make them stumble. Number two, in verses 12 to 14, search after them if they wander. Number three, 18 and 15 through 20, try or work to win them back from sin. And number five, and not included in the verses that we read this morning from 21 to 35, forgive them. 
How do you treat the greatest? Number one, don't make them stumble. I've heard it. I've seen it over and over again. Maybe you've seen it in school. Somebody's sitting there. They put out their foot. They trip the student, and down they go, tray and all, right? Well, our translation uses the word sin and temptation. I wouldn't have known it, but the Greek original here, they both have the same root word, and which are little, literally translated to scandalize. It has the general meaning to trip and fall. So whoever causes one of these little ones to trip and fall, verse 7, woe to the world because of the things that trip people up. The scandal will come anyway. If your hand or foot causes you to trip or fall, cut it off, and so on. With such words as temptation and sin, you think about more of the things that come into a person's life. But when the words scandal and scandalize are used, they're more personal. People are involved in a scandal. People are scandalized. People trip other people. You wouldn't want parts of your body to go ahead and trip you up. It'd be better if you didn't have that part, Jesus says. If, that person, if a person does it, it would be better if they weren't around. That's what Jesus means by a millstone. You know that great big stone with the hole in the middle, you put it around their neck and into the water they go. Those are big warnings. Don't trip people up. Especially, especially the ones who are needy like children because they are the greatest. You are treat them to, as the greatest. Two, how do you treat the greatest? You search after them while they wander. Our son Matthew, when he was about four, Susan couldn't find him. She looked all over for him. She searched upstairs and downstairs. She searched the neighborhood, north and south. She's finally going to call the police, and then the phone rang. She called and said, Matthew's over here at church. I was working in my office, and this little face peeks under my window and looks up at me. Yep, he was here. He had rode his bike all the way to church without it telling anyone that wandering Matthew was found, and he's still here today. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, Jesus said, and then goes on to talk about a shepherd searching for a lost sheep. Did you hear what Jesus did, how he switched the words from children to now the little ones? Jesus wants you and I just to know just how important the needy are. The ones who can't fend for themselves. The ones who wander. The ones who get lost. The ones who can't find their way back. So important is the lost sheep the little one, that he'd leave the 99 and go after that one. Why? Because that's how great Jesus considers the little ones, the ones who are needy. Third, how do you treat the greatest? You work to gain them back from sin. You've heard it. I've heard it over and over and over again. Now, I've told you how difficult it is to be a child or to be a little one. You make a lot of mistakes. 
You know that milk jug that weighs about a quarter of what you weigh? It's about a third of the size that you are? You're trying to pour milk from that jug? And so much more goes out of the cup than in it. When you're two or three, you can't aim very well. There's a lot of spills, and it takes a lot of grace, a lot of mercy. That's how we are to treat those who are children, the little ones. But wait! Jesus doesn't use those words here. He uses the word brother. The one who is close to you, the one that's connected to you, the one that is equal to you, or maybe the one that you have to take care of, like the little brother. Keep in mind the progression. Humbled as a child, a little one, a brother. They're all one and the same person connected to who we are under God's rule. So precious is the child of God that if a Christian says yes, that a Christian, yes, your brother or your sister in Christ, if they sin, you don't tell anyone else. That's how gentle and careful you are to treat a fellow brother and sister in Christ. For the word scandalized here is not used, not, but the word is used sin, that is sinning against God's divine law. What's a divine law? We know that by the Ten Commandments, right? The ones that society seems to take so lightly, like using God's name as a cuss word rather than a source of help and thanksgiving, that sex is used as recreation rather than the blessing of marriage. Remember, Ann Landers many, many years ago said, you know what? They're ten, God's Ten Commandments, not God's Ten Suggestions. When a fellow brother or sister in Christ breaks one of God's laws, treat them with the utmost care as if they are the most needy. Think about it. How we treat those that are even over us. If we had to point out something that our boss was doing wrong, we'd be very careful about how we went ahead and approached them. And that's how we are to treat brother and sister in Christ, the erring sibling, with the utmost care. And if you're having trouble with them listening, get help two or three witnesses, and if they still don't listen, bring it to the church. You know what? The church where fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who treat each other as God's children, equals in God's kingdom. It doesn't say to haul them off to court because you know what? It's not about the stuff. It's not about you. It's about that brother or sister sinner who is the greatest, who is needy. So the third way to treat the greatest is to gain them back from sin. Which brings us to the fourth. How do you treat the greatest? With mercy, with grace, with forgiveness. If there is any forgiveness, if there wasn't any forgiveness, what child would ever survive it takes a lot of grace, a lot of mercy, a lot of forgiveness to raise children. It's a lot of work as well, cleaning up their messes and 
holding our tongue and gently teaching. Jesus says that we should treat children, that is the little ones, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as the greatest. You don't make them stumble. You search after them when they wander. You try to gain them, or you work to gain them back from sin, and you forgive them. But some people have concluded that it's too much work to be a parent, to be a member in the body of Christ, and have given up in frustration. Some church members have as well, concerning those who have wandered from the congregation. But Jesus didn't. He didn't write you off. He didn't think it was too difficult to search after each of us. He treated us as one of the little ones, the ones who are needy, the ones who make mistakes and wander off, as the greatest people in the universe. For he has searched for us and he has brought us back into his church. And when, he make, and when we make mistakes, he doesn't go condemn us, but he takes on that very condemnation and takes it to the cross and suffers in our place. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus treats you as his child, and you are the greatest. Amen. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.